This morning we're going to be in the book of Isaiah. We're going to be in the book of Isaiah, and specifically Isaiah chapter number 31. Isaiah chapter number 31. And we're going to read the first five verses of Isaiah chapter number 31. And we will spend our time this morning in these five verses. Isaiah chapter 31, verses 1 through 5. Isaiah 31, 1 through 5. Woe to them that go down to Egypt for help and stay on horses and trust in chariots because they are many and in horsemen because they are very strong but they look not unto the Holy One of Israel neither seek the Lord. Yet he also is wise and will bring evil and will not call back his words but will rise against the house of the evildoers and against the help of them that work iniquity. Now the Egyptians are men, and not God. And their horses flesh, and not spirit. When the Lord shall stretch out his hand, both he that helpeth shall fall, and he that is hoping shall fall down. And they all shall fall together, fail together rather. For thus saith the Lord, for thus has, hath the Lord spoken unto me, like as the lion and the young lion roaring on his prey, when a multitude of shepherds is called forth against him, he will not be afraid of their voice, nor abase himself for the noise of them. So shall the Lord of hosts come down to fight for Mount Zion and for the hill thereof. As birds flying, so will the Lord of hosts uh, defend Jerusalem, Defending also, he will deliver it, and passing over, he will preserve it. The title of the message this morning is, They Are Only Men. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come to you today. We are thankful for the past week and the uh, provision and protection that you provided to us. Lord, we thank you that we're able this first day of the week to have health enough and the desire to rise up and be in your house. We pray that you'd speak to our hearts. And Lord, as we investigate this passage of Scripture, uh, Lord, help us not to rely on the strength of men. Lord, help us to turn our hearts to you and to trust in you in every area of our life. And Lord, certainly when things are difficult and Lord, challenging to us, help us, Lord, then especially to look to you and not to men and Lord to realize that they're only men you're God Lord we pray that you'd meet and speak to our hearts this this morning may you accomplish your will and purpose it's in Jesus's name we pray amen they are only men there are times in our lives when our spiritual metal is tested the question is posed to us will we trust in God or will we seek help and deliverance from man? This is one of those times in Israel's history. Isaiah the prophet is prophesying to the southern kingdom of Judah. He is prophesying before the Assyrian captivity of Israel that would happen in the year 722 B.C. Now as he announced to the people of God that God was going to allow 
the Assyrians to conquer them, that they were going to go into captivity, the people got the idea of seeking deliverance and help from one of the world powers at that time, the Egyptians. In fact, Israel would learn the hard way that the Egyptians were only men. Sadly, when our spiritual metal is tested, we often respond the same way Israel did, and we resort to the help of men. When we are faced with difficult tasks and situations, and we are pondering what we should do and the approach that we should take, we should remember they're only men. They're not God. We have the advantage of learning from Israel's mistakes through Holy Scripture. I pray this morning that we do pay attention, that we do listen to what God has to say to us in this very important message, and I'm not, about, not, I'm not talking about my message, I'm talking about the message of Scripture in Isaiah 31 verses 1 through 5, we should, we should learn from Israel's mistakes and remember not to seek the help of man, they're only men. Now there are three aspects that we want to consider this morning of Israel forgetting that the Egyptians were only men. We see in verses 1 and 2, this aspect, God's promise to inflict defeat. The second aspect covers verse number 3. This is Egypt's inability to deliver. And then in verses 4 and 5, we see this final aspect, Israel's irrelevant desire. We're going to talk about, obviously, each of these in depth as we move in to the main thrust of what we want to talk about this morning. In thinking about this thought, they are only men. Notice the first aspect of Israel forgetting that the Egyptians are only men. We see it in verses 1 and 2. We see God's promise to inflict defeat. What we mean by this is that God brings down every attempt that his people make in seeking help from any other source than him in any other area in which they might put their trust for deliverance and help and i i certainly want to clarify i mean it's not it's not improper to seek help right you know the horse is prepared against the day of battle but but safety's from the lord it's not improper for you to seek help i mean if you're sick you go to the doctor Right? We're not talking about that. What we're talking about is when we forsake God and we go to man for help, our trust and reliance is entirely upon man and we have forsaken God. God promises in every attempt that we make like that, like Israel made, He promises to inflict defeat. Now let's examine God's promise to inflict defeat. He begins in verse number 1 by making a pronouncement of woe. Look at Isaiah 31 and verse number 1. Woe to them that go down to Egypt for help, and stay on horses, and trust in chariots because they are many, and in horsemen because they are very strong. But they look not unto the Holy One of Israel, neither seek the Lord. 
Notice the pronouncement of woe. God's, God's pronouncement, first of all. Now, God says woe to them that go down to Egypt for help. The word woe is an interesting word. It is a word that is used to get one's attention. It is, it is accompanied by an exclamation mark. It literally means, oh, alas, woe. But it is also a word that is used to announce judgment or wrath, and it indicates an approaching calamity. So God is not just getting their attention when we use we see the word woe used. He is, he is pronouncing woe upon Israel. He is promising that He is going to inflict defeat that their efforts to seek the help of man, and in particular Egypt, they're going to fail. Why? Because in verse number 1 it says uh, that they look not unto the Holy One of Israel, neither seek the Lord. This wasn't an instance where they were relying on God, but they were seeking assistance from the Egyptians. They had forsaken God. And they were relying entirely and wholly upon the Egyptians, forgetting what? They're only men. They're not God. So God is announcing that their trust and reliance on Egypt, instead of trusting and relying on Him, would result in utter and complete defeat. God says that to us today. When we rely on the help of man, instead of God, we are going to be defeated. And you say today, well, well, we're not facing, we're not facing captivity in my life. Well, I want you to think about the various ways that this could be, this could be applied in your life. It could be applied to your job. God says you ought to serve me and do this, and we say, well, if I do that, I'll lose this, this, and this, and so therefore I got to get my help from my job. What's well, trusting in man? Your relationships, your protection from your enemies. You make the application. This is applicable to us today. We need to remember that when we seek help from sources other than God, they're only men. They're not God. God pronounces woe. This is God's pronouncement, but I want you to see Israel's peril. Israel's peril here as God pronounces woe. Now notice, God through the prophet says, Woe to them that go down to Egypt for help and stay on horses. I want you to understand that the word stay here does not mean to remain. That's not what it means. It's like, hey, you want to come over and stay a while? That's not the way in which this word is used. The word stay here literally means that they were going to lean on or rely on Egypt. That's what the word stay means. And so they were leaning on Egypt. Then why were they going to lean on Egypt? Well, read in verse number 1. They were staying on Egypt, or on horses, and in Egypt's horses, and trusting in chariots. Why? Because they are many, and in horsemen because they are very strong. Listen, if you were in, if you were in peril, and you needed help, and somebody was threatening to beat you up, would you go find the wimpiest guy that you could find to help you? You probably want somebody that looks pretty stout, that could help you. Or, you know, you might rely on numbers. You know, hey, this guy's threatening me. I'm going to take three or four of my buddies with me. So we rely on strength and we rely on numbers. But you know what? There's none stronger than God. And number doesn't matter with God. 
And so they're relying on the strength and the number of Egypt and their horsemen and their chariots, and none of it mattered. This was Israel's peril. They were looking at things the wrong way. Psalms 146 verse 3 reads this. Psalms 146 verse 3, Put not your trust in princes, nor in the Son of Man, in whom there is no help. I love what Joseph Carl who pastored the church where Spurgeon pastored uh, a couple pastors before him, uh, Metropolitan Tabernacle, Joseph Carroll wrote this. He said, True, may some say, it were a folly to trust in weak princes, to trust in them for help who have no power to help. But we will apply it to mighty princes. We hope there is help in them, mighty princes. No, those words, in whom there is no help, are not a distinction of weak princes from strong, but a conclusion that there is no help even in the strongest. And so you and I look at situations, and we're going to talk about this in our next aspect that we consider, we look at things from a fleshly viewpoint. And God promises to inflict defeat. It doesn't matter if you're trusting in Arnold Schwarzenegger or Danny DeVito. Okay? It doesn't matter. You're going to meet with defeat if your trust is in man and not in God. Notice God here, He makes a pronouncement of woe in verse number 1. We're talking about God's promise to inflict defeat. He makes a pronouncement of woe in verse number 1. But notice in verse number 2, this is because God is perfectly wise and will work as He determines. Look at verse number 2. Yet he also is wise and will bring evil. Now stop. You know, sometime, I had this conversation at work the other day. I was reading a police report. And I was talking with uh, Paige, one of our other attorneys. And I said, now you read this police report and you tell me who this is talking about. Because there are about three people mentioned. And you'd read the report and it'd say he and she. And you're going, he, he, who? She, who? See, a lot of times we, we use personal pronouns and it's confusing because we don't know who, which she you're referring to or which he you're referring to. Now you got Israel here, you got Egypt, you got their horses, you got their chariots. Who is he in verse number 2? I'll tell you who he is. God. Yet he also is wise and will bring evil. He will, excuse me, and will not call back his words but will arise against the house of the evildoers and against the help of them that work iniquity. This is talking about God. God is perfectly wise and will work as He determines. What did Israel do? What were they guilty of? They disregarded God's wisdom and God's ability to deliver. They forgot that Egypt was only, they were only men. But God is God. And God is sovereign. And God does as He pleases. He would, God would bring defeat to both Israel and Egypt. He would defeat Israel in their attempt to get help from somebody other than Him. And He would, in fact, defeat the helper. God was able to do that. And you know, you know the history. The Assyrian captivity did take place in 722 B.C., just like God said it was going to. Now, Job was a wise man in many areas of his life, wasn't he? 
Job said this about God in Job 9 and verse number 4. He is wise in heart and mighty in strength. Who hath hardened himself against him and hath prospered? It's a question that Job asked. Job, he, he understands what Isaiah the prophet is writing about in verse number 2. Uh, Job knew that God was wise in heart and mighty in strength. God is sovereign. <coughs> Who would you rather trust in? Schwarzenegger, DeVito, or God? You say, well, I'm not going to trust in Danny DeVito. That guy can't deliver me. I'll trust in Arnold Schwarzenegger. Here's, you know, bodybuilding, muscle-building guy, and even in his 70s, you know, the guy's got pythons as big as my thighs, okay? Uh, who are you going to trust in? Well, how about God? God is wise in heart and mighty in strength. Nobody has hardened themselves against him and sought help otherwise and prospered. So notice this aspect of Israel forgetting that the Egyptians were only man. God promises to inflict defeat. You and I should remember that when we're thinking about and pondering about going off and getting help from somewhere else. Oh, I'm going to move here because my job is taking me there. That's the help of man. That's not the help of God. Seek God. Follow God. God can provide. God's promise to inflict defeat is the first aspect that we see in Israel forgetting the, that the Egyptians are only men. Notice the second aspect. It's found in verse number 3. Here we see Egypt's inability Egypt's inability to deliver. Now e Israel's trust in Egypt was misplaced. Was it not? Why was it misplaced? Because Egypt could not help them. In spite of how big and bad Egypt was in spite of how many horses and chariots they had, they could not help. They could not deliver. We see Egypt's inability to deliver. Now notice, the problem here with Egypt's inability to deliver is that Israel was trusting in an arm of flesh. They were trusting in an arm of flesh. They were not looking at this spiritually. They were looking at this carnally. Now the Egyptians and their horses were what? Only flesh. They were only men. Look at verse 3. Let's read verse 3 again. Now the Egyptians are men and not God. And their horses flesh and not spirit. When the Lord shall stretch out His hand, both he that helpeth that's the Egyptians. He that helpeth shall fall. And he that is helping, that's Israel, shall fall down. And they all shall fail together. Notice that the Israelites failed to understand Egypt's inability to deliver. They were trusting in an arm of flesh. You want to see, you want to see how God said Egypt was going to help? Let's turn over to Isaiah chapter number 30. Look at Isaiah chapter number 30, and we're going to quickly here read verses 1 through 7 so that you find Egypt's inability and you discover what Israel's true strength should have been as announced by God. Notice, notice Isaiah chapter number 30, verses 1 through 7. It begins again with what? A woe. A pronouncement of woe to the rebellious children, saith the Lord, that take counsel but not of me, and that cover with a covering but not of my spirit, that they may add sin to sin. Do you understand what God is saying? God is setting this up and He's saying, you go to Egypt for help, 
It's it's sin. You're, you, it, this is a sin. You're putting Israel before me. You're trusting in Israel. Notice verse 2. That walk to go down into Egypt and have not asked at my mouth to strengthen themselves in the strength of Pharaoh and to trust in the shadow of Egypt. Therefore shall the strength of Pharaoh be your shame and the trust in the shadow of Egypt your confusion. For his princes were his own and his ambassadors came to Haines. They were all ashamed of a people that could not profit them, nor be of a help, nor profit, but a shame and also a reproach. Do you see Egypt's inability to deliver? Do you understand what God is saying? He's saying Egypt is unable to deliver you. Then notice verse 6 and 7. The burden of the beasts of the south, into the land of trouble and anguish, from which come the young and old lion, the viper and fiery flying serpent, they will carry their riches upon the shoulders of young asses and their treasures upon the bunches of camels to a people that shall not profit them. God is saying that this is the cost of what you're doing. You're going to pay them all this money and they can't deliver you. And then watch verse 7. For the Egyptians shall help and vain and to no purpose. Therefore have I cried concerning this. Now watch. Their strength is to sit still. Do you understand what God is saying when He says their strength is to set still? He is saying to the Egyptians, as He says today, or not the Egyptians, but the Israelites, as He says to you and I today, wait on me. Trust in me. Sit still and wait for the Lord to work. Watch what the Lord's going to do. Your strength is to sit still and trust in me. Wait on me, says the Lord. And what do we often do? We seek the help of man. Forgetting that they're only men. We seek the arm of flesh. And flesh is unable to deliver. I want you to turn with me now to Jeremiah chapter 17. Notice Jeremiah chapter number 17. One verse I want to read here. Because, again, it is a warning from the Lord. In Jeremiah chapter number 17, watch what God says through the prophet Jeremiah. By the way, Jeremiah was prophesying, prophesying concerning the Babylonian captivity, which would come in 606 B.C. So he, Jeremiah's prophesying, prophesying to a different group of people and a different captivity. But watch what Jeremiah says in Jeremiah chapter 17 and verse number 5. Uh, that the Lord told him to, to report to the children of Israel. He says, Thus saith the Lord, Cursed be the man that trusteth in man, and what? And maketh flesh his arm, and whose heart departeth from the Lord. Is that not what Israel was doing? By the way, you can, read, you can go back and read Jeremiah chapters 42 through 44, and you're going to find that, that Judah then had the same problem that Israel had back in, in considering the Assyrian captivity and they were, they actually went down to Egypt to get help. They said, oh pray for us that God will tell us what to do and we'll follow him. They had already determined they were going to Egypt. They had the same problem. It did, they didn't understand, they never learned and they didn't understand what God was trying to teach them. So notice that God says, you are trusting in an arm of flesh and it's not going to help you. Egypt was was unable to deliver the Israelites. You know, they should have been like this godly king that Judah had by the name of Hezekiah. Hezekiah was facing problems with the Assyrians, and what did Hezekiah do? Hezekiah prayed to God 
And, and in Second Chronicles chapter 32 and verse number 8, as he addressed the people of God, Hezekiah said this in Second Chronicles 32 and verse number 8, With him is an arm of flesh. He's talking about with the Assyrians. But with us is the Lord, our God, to help us and to fight our battles. And the people rested themselves upon the words of Hezekiah, king of Judah. Do you see the difference? Do you see the contrast? Hezekiah facing the Assyrians says we're not going to go to Egypt for help. We're not going to try to get help from anyone else. We're going to trust in God. Their help, the Assyrians' help is with the arm of flesh. But with us is the Lord our God to help us and to fight our battles. And so we see Egypt's inability to deliver. Israel was trusting in an arm of flesh. Now there's an important lesson that you and I should learn from this. We should likewise turn our faces to God in our times of trouble and not trust in man. We are not to forget that they're only men. I want to read to you just a couple verses whereby we are encouraged and admonished and commanded not to seek the help of men. In Psalm 20 and verse number 7 and verse number 8. Psalm 20 verses 7 and 8. Some trust in chariots and some in horses, but we will remember the name of the Lord our God. I remember singing that as a scripture song years ago. Verse number 8. They are brought down and fallen, but we are risen and stand upright. Who's brought down and fallen? Those that trust in horses and chariots. But those that remember the name of the Lord, they are risen and stand upright. Egypt was unable to deliver the Israelites from the Assyrians. We see Egypt's inability to deliver. We should learn our lesson from this and remember that they are only men, they're not God. William Plummer, who lived from 1759 to 1850, uh, he was an American lawyer, a Baptist lay preacher, he was a politician. Can you imagine all those things today? You know, I mean, I, I think I have most of it covered, not politician. Uh, But he was a Federalist that served in the United States Senate, and then he was the seventh governor of New Hampshire. He wrote this, Vain is the confidence of all wickedness. In war, chariots, horses, uh, navies, uh, numbers, discipline, former successes are, are all relied on, but the battle is not to the strong. Providence favors the strong battalions, may sound well in a worldling's ear, but neither providence nor the Bible so teaches. In peace, riches, friends, ships, farms, stocks are all relied upon, yet they can neither help nor save. Let him that glorieth glory in the Lord. And so, what a wise man. What a wise man, knowing that trusting in in peace and riches and friends and ships and in farms and stocks and we all try to rely on the arm of flesh and it's to our utter defeat Psalm 60 verse 11 and Psalm 108 verse 12 they're the same verse Psalm 60 verse 11 Psalm 108 verse 12 reads this give us help from trouble for vain is the help of man for vain is the help of men. Now the word vain there, I think we probably all recognize when we hear the word vain, that it means empty, worthless, or useless. But here, it not only carries those meanings, 
but it carries the additional meanings of destructive or being a lie. It is a lie that man will help you and deliver you when you have forsaken God. There is no help apart from the Lord. The psalmist cries unto God, Give us help from trouble, for vain is the help of man. Egypt could not deliver. Man cannot deliver. William Struther, who lived uh, from 1578 to 1633, uh, he was an English preacher. I could not see that he was actually a Puritan, but he did uh, preach during that time frame. And he wrote, So long as sight and reason find footing in matters, there is no place for faith and hope. The abundance of human helps puts no grace to proof, but the strength of faith is in the absence of them all. A man is stronger when he goeth on his feet alone than when he standeth by a grip in his infancy or leaneth on a staff in his old age. The two feet of faith and hope serve us best when we are fixed on the rock of Zion alone and not trying to get help from man, not seeking our man, for man to deliver us, but realizing that much like Egypt, man has an inability to deliver in times of trouble. The second aspect that we consider here in Israel, forgetting that they're only men, is that Egypt had an inability to deliver. We move now on to the last aspect, covered in verses 4 and 5. And here we see Israel's irrelevant desire. Israel's irrelevant desire. Now here's the thing that is so sad about all of this. They were determined to go to Egypt for help. And God says, well, you go, you're going to suffer defeat. They're only men. They're not God. Their horses are flesh. They can't deliver you. And I, here's the great part, I will be with you. We've missed that part so far. God emphatically says that He will be with His people. You don't need to go to them for help. And yet, what did Israel do? They went to Egypt for help. They didn't need to go to Egypt for help because God had their back. This was a completely irrelevant desire that Israel exhibited. They didn't need to do it. There are often times in our lives where there's no need for us to do what we do. Oh, I'm worried about this. i got to do this. There's no need to it. There's no need for it. We create our own problems. We create our own difficulty. And it's an irrelevant desire. They did not need to go to Egypt. Why did they not need to go to Egypt? And why was this an irrelevant desire? Well, because God would exhibit a fierce defense of His people and His land. He would exhibit a fierce defense. We know that because look at, look at Isaiah chapter 31 and verses 4 and 5. Isaiah 31 verses 4 and 5. For thus hath the Lord spoken unto me, like as the lion and the young lion roaring on his prey, when a multitude of shepherds is called forth against him, he will not be afraid of their voice, nor abase himself for the noise of them. 
so shall the Lord of hosts come down to fight for Mount Zion and for the hill there. Do you see what God is saying? God is saying that He is going to operate as a, as a fierce lion, roaring on His prey. Jesus is described as the lion of the tribe of Judah in the book of Revelation. And the Lord says, as a lion, I will fiercely defend my land and my people. And notice what God says. He says, you know what? I'm not going to be afraid of a bunch of shepherds that come out and try to deal with me. He's using this illustration. This is not David going out and taking the, 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 the sheep or the lamb from the lion's mouth. That's not going to happen with the Lord. The Lord has determined what He's going to do. The Lord will allow what He says He's going to allow and nobody's going to stop Him. He is fiercely going to defend and protect His people and His land as a fierce lion. Notice verse 5. As birds flying, so will the Lord of hosts defend Jerusalem. Defending also, He will deliver it and passing over, He will preserve it. Did they miss this part? That God would care and protect and defend and preserve His people and His land, even if it meant that you're going to have to you're going to have to suffer a little while for for the ramifications of your sin. I haven't forgot you. I haven't turned my back on you. God is here saying that as as a bird defends their young by by hoovering over the nest and spreading the wings to protect them. And leaping into action if the young ones are attacked. That's the way God would defend and protect and deliver and preserve His people in His land. Israel's desire was utterly irrelevant. They did not need to go to Egypt for help. God had their back. Notice, all of this was due to a misplaced fear that Israel exhibited. A misplaced fear. Now think about this. What what was Israel afraid of? Did they fear God? They didn't fear God. They never respect for God. They had forsaken God, turned their back on God, and were trusting in man. Why were they trusting in Egypt? Because they were afraid. And what were they afraid of? They were afraid of the Assyrians and what the Assyrians could and would do to them. Is this not your problem? Is this not my problem? When we forsake God and we seek the help of man, forgetting that they are only man, it is often because we're afraid. And we're afraid of man, and so we seek the help of who? Man. It's utterly ridiculous. And yet we do it. Turn with me in your Bibles to Psalms 118. <coughs> Psalms 118, verse number 6. Notice, notice how we ought to respond to these situations. In Psalm 118 and verse number 6, The Lord is on my side, I will not fear. What can man do unto me? The question is posed because the psalmist knows that they're only men. What can man do unto me? Then look at verse number 8. It is better to trust in the Lord than to put confidence in man. It is better to trust in the Lord than to put confidence in princes. 
a completely irrelevant desire that Israel had based upon their fear of the Assyrians. Psalm 50, see, you don't have to turn with me. I'm just going to read these quickly and we'll be done this morning. In Psalm 56, verse 11, In God have I put my trust. I will not be afraid of what men can do unto me. In Proverbs 29, verse 25, The fear of man bringeth a snare. But whoso putteth his trust in the Lord shall be saved. And that thought is emphasized and repeated in the New Testament, in the book of Hebrews, and we'll close with these verses in Hebrews chapter 13, verses 5 and 6. In Hebrews 13, verses 5 and 6, the Bible reads, Let your conversation be without covetousness, and be content with such things as you have. For he has said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. Is that not what God is saying back in Isaiah chapter number 31, verses 4 and 5? He's got their back. There's no need for you to need to desire the help of man or the help of Egypt. And by the way, we haven't really mentioned this uh, up to this point. I think we're all aware of this, but you know Egypt is always a type of the world. They're always a type of the world. Going to Egypt, for, going to the world for help. God says through Paul, who I believe wrote the book of Hebrews, he says, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. He's, he's quoting scripture and he says in verse 6, so that we may boldly say, The Lord is my helper, and I will not fear what man shall do unto me. It is a completely irrelevant desire that Israel had because God was going to take care of them anyways. Well, I don't know about you, but I certainly need this lesson. I need to remember that when things are tight and difficult, and the pressure's mounting, and the stress is increasing... I need to remember that the help that I seek from anyone here on this earth, they're only men. And yet, God is who He says He is. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's never changed. The same God that we serve today is the same God as as, uh, Isaiah prophesied and spoke about in Isaiah chapter 31 verses 1 through 5. He's the same fierce lion defending his people. He's the same bird that hovers over the nest and spreads the wings to protect his children. He's the same. If we want to be consistent, remember our remember our church theme for 2023, striving for consistency. If we want to be consistent in our Christian lives in 2023, we must remember that seeking the help of man is vain. Why? They're only men. They're not God. We looked at three aspects of forgetting that the Egyptians were only men. God's promise to inflict defeat. Egypt's inability to deliver and Israel's irrelevant desire. May God speak to our hearts this morning. Get our attention. And help us to realize and remember to trust in Him and not in the arm of flesh and not in the world or society or men because they're only men. They're not God. Let's pray.